Welcome to the Make That Money Honey podcast. I'm your host, Sandra Joe, and each week I will be bringing you a combination of interviews and solo episodes with industry leaders in finance, entrepreneurship, and women in business. As a former certified financial planner turned financial coach and entrepreneur, I will be sharing my knowledge on how to have better conversations about money within your marriage, relationships, and family dynamics. I will also be teaching fundamental financial literacy about all of the topics that you wish you learned in school. This podcast will get you to think outside the box, create more abundance in your life, and improve your money mindset. So make sure to follow and tune in weekly, and it would mean the world to me if you shared these episodes with a friend and left me a five-star review. Hi guys, welcome back, and today I'm going to be talking about one of the most common mistakes that beginner investors do when they get excited about investing into the stock market and they want to start their investment account with some of the popular things that we hear about or something that's trending, for example, cryptocurrencies, maybe it's GameStop or one of the other shares that has absolutely been all over the media and everyone wants a piece of it. So they start investing, they open an investment account, and they jump into all these speculative things thinking that they're going to get rich quick. This is one of the most common mistakes that investors make when they first start out is putting all their eggs in one basket and investing into highly speculative things such as the new crypto coins or getting into something that they think is trending in the media and is going to make them a lot of money. New investors are notorious for wanting quick wins, wanting to get rich quick, to become day traders and buy low, sell high, and are expecting immediate results. But let's dig a little bit deeper into this. When people are looking at investing in the share market or stock market, you must be willing to look at your investment time frame. And your investment time frame means how long is it going to be until you need to access this money for something else? So for example, let's say today is September 2021 and I want to buy a house in September 2022. My investment time frame is only 12 months. And in that 12 month period, I want to make sure that I'm preserving as much of my capital or my initial investment as possible because I need to access these funds in order to put a down payment on a house. So I don't want to put my money into anything risky. I don't want to lose that money. And if it means I have to sacrifice a little bit of growth in order to make sure that my, let's say it is, let's say it's a hundred thousand is still intact in September, 2022, then I'm going to put myself into something more conservative, maybe a term deposit, maybe uh, a high interest savings account or something that's going to earn me some interest, but I'm not going to be risking losing that money. Now, let's say my investment time frame was a little bit longer and there was sort of no immediate need for me to access these funds. And I was going to say, it's 2021 right now. I don't really want to buy a house until... 2027, for example. So I've got six years now. I can afford to take on more investment risk because my investment timeframe is longer. And that is because I can ride out the inevitable peaks 
and troughs of the share market. So that's when it goes up and down and up and down. And as we saw last year, we had one of the biggest dips in the share market since the global financial crisis in March 2020, when everything absolutely tanked because of the pandemic. But we also had one of the fastest recoveries after that period. But we didn't know that that was going to happen. And so if you needed to access your money in April of 2020, and you weren't able to ride out the recovery of the share market, you would have been selling your investments at a loss because you needed to access those funds in order to buy your house or go back to school or whatever it is. So you want to make sure that you're allowing sufficient time within your investments for your investments to recover from any downfalls in the share market. And this is so, so important because what people think is that they can get in, make money, make money fast, quick, and then sell and take a profit. Now, if this was the case, of course, everybody would be doing it. But it's not the case because we cannot anticipate what's going to happen in the market. No matter how much you know about investing and research and about stock analysis and company analysis, there are always going to be things that are going to throw a spanner in the works when it comes to your investment strategy. So for example, nobody could anticipate that the pandemic was going to hit. Nobody can anticipate the market's reaction to certain political events or what's going to happen in China and how that's going to affect Canadian or North American markets. So all of these things have an external macroeconomic impact on your investment portfolio. So this is the importance of not only knowing your investment timeframe so that if you are requiring to take your money out in a shorter period of time that you are investing in more conservative investments. And if you have a longer time frame, then you can afford to take on a bit more risk. But another thing that is hugely important is diversification within your portfolio. So what does it mean to have diversification in your portfolio? It means not trying to pick winners when it comes to stocks, but instead spreading your wealth over multiple different companies so that you are lowering your risk of investment risk. Because if one of those companies goes under, it's not going to have as big of an impact as if you held one or two companies. So let's say, for example, we held two companies in our portfolio and one of them, just for household name purposes, one of them is Apple, like Apple computers, iPhones, all that. And the other one is Amazon. Everybody knows Amazon. You can buy everything online, Amazon, have it there in a day to your house. So let's say these are your only stocks in your portfolio. And all of a sudden, the CEO of Apple decides to resign and there's a major dip in your portfolio because the stock price of Apple takes a plunge. And then let's say there's a scandal that happens with Apple and all of a sudden they get some really bad media and their stock price drops even more. And this happens all the time with companies. Then we look at our portfolio and we're going, oh crap, our portfolio has just dropped 25% because of one investment that we held that had some trouble that was beyond what we could have anticipated. That's a huge impact to the amount of money that you hold. 
Now, let's say, for example, you held the S&P 500 index. And so if you don't know what that means, it means that the S&P 500 is uh, comprised of the largest 500 companies in the United States. Now, the S&P 500 is the capitalization, the market capitalization of the top 500 companies. And what this is used for is a benchmark for stock portfolio managers who are essentially trying to beat the index. Their goal is to provide less risk and better performance than the S&P 500 index. But this is largely difficult for a lot of these portfolio managers because they essentially need to beat the performance of the top 500 companies within the United States. And the S&P 500 takes a weighted average of each of these companies. So for example, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook, Alphabet, which is Google, Berkshire Hathaway, Visa, Procter Gamble, Home Depot, PayPal. These are all components of the S&P 500. So it is very, very challenging for an independent investor to outperform the S&P 500 index. And because of that, it's much more risky, or much riskier, I should say, to invest directly in these companies because you are more susceptible to market fluctuations within each business. Now, if you are invested in 500 companies, which are the 500 companies listed on the S&P 500 index, if one of those companies has bad news or poor performance and they want to notify their shareholders by releasing a press release, it's going to affect their share price. Now, let's say their share price drops by 10%. That does not mean your portfolio is going to drop by 10%. It only is going to have a very, very small impact because it is spread across the return of the entire index of all 500 companies. So by holding more companies and having exposure to more businesses, you're spreading your investment risk upon multiple different businesses and their performance and their news and their CEOs and all of the things that are happening within their businesses. So it's very challenging to outperform the index on an ongoing basis. There might be some years or some investments where one or two of your investments might outperform, but it's not sustainable. And this is one of the most common mistakes that beginner investors make is they try and beat the index. And they usually do not have the knowledge, expertise, or time to research the companies that they're investing in. And they're just essentially taking a punt or taking a gamble with putting their money into these businesses. It is no different than if you were to put money on a horse race. And sure, that horse could have a great track record. You could have all of the green lights going for this horse and everything could be leading up to a win. But then all of a something all of a sudden something happens on race day and the horse stumbles and catches a hoof and falls behind the rest of the pack. So this can exactly happen within the share market and within the investing industry. So it is super, super important to understand that trying to beat the index and trying to pick winners all the time is just not a good strategy for beginners investors or for any investors for that matter. It doesn't mean you can't dabble in different types of investments, 
But for example, if you were starting out with a $10,000 initial investment, and it doesn't have to be that high, you could start with $2,000. But let's say you're starting out with $10,000 and you put it into an S&P 500 ETF and you start to see some growth and you're like, okay, I got six or 7% and I'm happy with that. And then the next month it might be 10% and it starts going up and up from there. Next month, what you decide is that you want to start a monthly savings plan. So in the monthly savings plan, let's say you decide to put $250 a month into your investment account and every month you're going to top up that investment. By doing so, this is a strategy called dollar cost averaging. The problem, again, with beginner investors is is that they're always trying to time the market. They're always trying to pick buy low, sell high. But But the most beneficial strategy that you can use when starting out to invest is dollar cost averaging, and that is little and often. Instead of trying to time the market, you are just consistently adding to your investment account over a longer period of time, and you're watching it grow and compound in the same investment strategy that you've employed from the start. And although this strategy may seem a little bit boring at the beginning, and it's not as exciting as trying to pick winners and trying to gamble with your money, it is a much safer and easier way to grow your investments and to understand the share market and understand the inevitable dips and peaks of everything that happens across the whole investment industry. So what you can do is over time, you can start adding individual holdings to your investment portfolio if you are particularly interested in a company. But by having the majority of your money invested in index funds, you will be spreading your risk over multiple if not thousands of different companies, so that your long-term growth strategy is diversified across many different holdings. And then you can start to take on a little bit more risk with things like investing in companies that you firmly believe in, buying something maybe a little bit more speculative, but you don't really want to be doing this until you've got a better nest egg that you've got some security and financial stability and compounding within your index funds and within your initial investment strategy, because this is what's going to get you the built building wealth over time. Now, building wealth over time is a slow and steady process. It does happen. Yes, of course, there are always ways to pick better investments that can get you a higher return, but it's not to say that they don't come with risk. And when I first started investing in speculatives, I thought that I was being cheeky and could get ahead and, you know, buying all these alternative investments that were going to make me a lot of money. But the problem is, is that when these investments start to take a run for it and they start to increase, we get greedy and we hold on to them for too long. We think they're going to continue to rise and continue to rise. And it's knowing when to sell that is one of the biggest contributors to your success with these. But the problem is, is that most people don't sell. And usually once the share price drops, it drops quickly. And if you're not paying attention for a couple of days, it could be significantly impacting on your portfolio and your returns. So I never suggest investing in anything speculative to anybody that's a beginner investor. I always suggest that you start with 
something that is going to be safe and diversified and get you continuous growth over time, knowing that anything within the share market is still considered a high risk, high return, high growth investment. So you have to be prepared to watch your investment fluctuate. However, there are ways of achieving growth that can be less stressful, less risky, and provide you with more comfort in knowing that you have a balanced portfolio across multiple different companies. So I hope this was helpful for you. I know that this sounds like a bit of a boring strategy and a lot of people are out there right now telling you to invest in all different kinds of things, in cryptos, in you know, psychedelics, in cannabis, in all different things, artificial intelligence. And while those industries are all great and up and coming, it's fine to have a small exposure to them within your portfolio, but they should not be the reason that you start investing. They should be additions to an already stable, fundamental investment plan where you have diversification in your portfolio. And you are also considering your investment timeframe and how long you have to keep that money invested. Because if your money is down, you don't want to be selling at the bottom of the market. You want to be able to wait and ride out the peaks and troughs until you can rebound your portfolio and let it get back to a healthy value before you need to take any money out. So this is my episode on investor tips and tricks for beginners. I hope that was useful for you guys and stay tuned for more episodes like this. And if you haven't already, make sure that you subscribe to my email list on my website, sandrajo.com. And if you have any questions for me, you can get in touch with me. You can set up a consultation call for financial coaching, and I would love to get in touch with you soon. Thanks for listening. And if you love this episode, please share it to your Instagram story and tag me at sandra.m.joe. I would be forever grateful if you left me a five-star review and sent it to a friend so that I can reach as many people as possible. For more information on my financial coaching and how we can work together, check out my website at sandrajoe.com. And until next time, have a great day and go make that money, honey.